thank you everybody for just taking time to be a part of the Cultivate series tonight. Uh, this is the last component of part one, and so we will be having a part two, and so we'll, we'll get the word and information out as far as for who our guests will be and some of the subjects that we'll be discussing uh, for our part two Cultivate as well. Uh, but I, this has been such a great time. It was good getting feedback from some of the team as well as for those that have been in the chat box and in the chat rooms on Facebook as well as on YouTube with some of the information and revelation and impartation and even the questions that you all have been asking as well. Uh, thank you for participating in that regards. And so again, I just want to encourage people, of course, uh, you know, as you should know by now uh, that the chat room will be available and open for questions uh, for our guests tonight. But for those that might be joining, because, uh, you know, we share this from a few different ways. Um, and so some people might be watching tonight for the first time. And so I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about what Cultivate is all about. Um, it came to me while I was in the garden and just kind of uprooting and digging some things up and turning some old soil over, getting ready for this new season. And so uh, in the midst of that, it was, it was, I was cultivating the ground. And so I realized uh, cultivate means, the three things means, it means to prepare for. So we want to prepare you for some things. It also means to foster, foster the growth of, as well as to improve by study or by labor. So the things that we've been dealing with on this Cultivate series, guess what? It's more than just information, but it's information uh, that is to be applied. And so uh, the three things that my prayer is and our prayers that you'd be able to receive tonight is information, as I mentioned, inspiration, as well as impartation. So it'll be some things that are said and even not said uh, because the presence of the Lord is in the midst of our conversations that we've been having. So God will even be dealing with you on some things as well to be able to follow through. I know he has with me and, you know, we've already been making some changes accordingly. So I'm looking forward to being able to do so more tonight. And so our focus tonight, as you see up on the screen, for those that are watching, uh, you see that we're talk about, talking about cultivate financial health or cultivating financial health. And so uh, the different aspects that we've been talking about, again, have all been important. Uh, but the finances, especially in times like these, uh, we definitely want to make sure that we take and invest a little bit of time just discussing, you know, our finances. So we want to be able to do that. And you can see on our screen, and for those that might be listening to the podcast later, our guest is Isaac Jones, financial advisor. Uh, some of you are familiar and some of you are not. And so I kind of want to do a, like a formal kind of introduction, if you will, uh, for those here. So I just want to read just a little bit um, from, the, from the bio uh, from the bio here, and then we'll uh, get started in our, in our convo tonight. And so um, uh, I'll, I'll read this portion. Isaac is a suburban Philly native, and then he would enter Purdue University, uh, the Boilermakers, there on a football scholarship, and later become a member of the Indianapolis Colts. And then he would also eventually play three years in the NFL, starting a career in finance. And so over the past 14 years, he would work in private equity and with high net worth clients with, for BlackRock, Merrill Lynch, and J.P. Morgan. And then today, he utilizes that experience in serving a broad range of clients consisting of corporate executives, professional athletes, business owners, and institutions. And in his free time, Isaac enjoys playing golf, running, coaching youth sports, and spending time with his family. And then he also serves on the board of directors for Impact Services Corporation, a nonprofit devoted to workforce development and veteran services in the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia. And of course, that's just a quick snippet, but he does so much more. Um, I know he, he's a great listener. 
a great helper. And so um, that's that's what our goal is tonight. And so I just want to say welcome officially. Isaac, thank you for joining us tonight, man. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and so I know that that was a brief uh, bio, but I don't know if there's just anything else that you just wanted to state or share about yourself, uh, some of the things that's going on or. I mean, I think besides the obvious being, you know, uh, your brother-in-law and, uh, you know, son of, you know, Pastor Harry and Doreen Jones, um, but, you know, just the Lord has just kind of blessed me um, and kind of allowed me to cultivate and grow over time really into to what I'm doing now. So the wealth management piece is, you know, my daily vocation, but it's really 30% of, of what I do. Yeah. Uh, engage in a lot of, um, you know, tech startups, uh, work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, really high achieving people who are really kind of taking charge of their domain, if you will, um, and looking to expand and grow outside of what it is that they do on a day-to-day basis. And so um, that's really where the Lord has kind of blessed me with the skill set to kind of help, you know, marry what he put on the inside of me to what it is that they're trying to fulfill. So for me, no two days are the same. And, um, you know, I just enjoy getting a chance to work with good people. But uh, what's most important to me is being able to kind of pastor clients, pastor um, organizations, mm. um, you know, from the pulpit that the Lord has, has blessed me with. And so that's it. Uh, kind of let me here at the moment, but um, it all flows together. There's no real separation of the ministry versus my secular work. That's it, man. Marketplace. We, we love it. So let me officially, uh, you know, just open up in a word of prayer and then, uh, yeah, we're going to jump right in. So, Father, we bless you. We thank you tonight. We thank you for your son. We thank you, Lord, even for your desire for us, even financially. God, so I thank you, Lord, that even what is released tonight, uh, I thank you, Lord, that we hear with fresh hearing uh, and, so to speak, virgin ears, God. So I thank you, Lord, that uh, your, your wisdom is already in the midst. And so we just bless you uh, for the release, the free flow um, of this gift uh, that is speaking with us tonight, God. So we thank you. We say we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So it's, it's a whole lot going on uh, when we talk about finances. And so I really just kind of wanted to start from just a high-level view because uh, many people know about finances and more than ever, I think in this crux of time right now, it is an important subject to be considering and dealing with and talking about because, you know, so many things are in flux. But if what you can, can you just kind of talk with us a little bit about the importance of just stewardship and, you know, financial management, if we could start there. So it's really interesting that you would ask that question, given the fact that um, when you really understand how the kingdom of God operates, it's really based off of the principle of stewardship. You know, you and I came here um, inherent with gifts, talents, and abilities that are given us by God. And it's really our job to really discover as we walk out in faith, but also to, to utilize and properly manage what he's given us. So that could be relationships, that could be your time, that could be resources, but nonetheless, you have to be a good steward of that. When speaking to finances um, in particular, What's awesome is that good management of resources will always attract more. There's no reason why wow. money flows into Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway stock, right? Because he's proven that he can properly manage. And so it attracts the eyes and ears of Wall Street retail investors because they trust what he's going to do with it because of his ability to manage. Mm-hmm. So good management is going to attract resources. And, that, and also at the same time, it's, 
God's going to give you what you can manage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's not going to just like I said, put more in than you can bear. That applies to your finances as well. Uh, Cause it'd be the very same thing that could become your undoing. But what I really like to, to put and turn people onto, especially my younger athletes is that you have to understand what you've already been given. Yeah. 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 That's the starting point for management. One, you know, Miles Monroe says, you have to understand that management necessitates that you don't own anything. <laughs> right? So what God gives you, you don't properly own that. But it's your job to manage it, take care of it, and return it back to him. So really understanding the value of what it is you have currently is a starting point for you to be able to grow and obtain more. Because it's the prerequisite. What I do in you know, the, the parable of the talents illustrates that perfectly. Right, that what you do with what you have qualifies you for more. So, I think it's a subject that even during this time and everything that's going on, really needs to be absorbed and, and, and sink in. Is that you know what have I done with what I've already been given? Because the truth of the matter is, we're all money managers. Yeah. We all buy weekly paychecks. You know, we all receive some sort of compensation, and it's never how much you make, but it's how much you save. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so, at some point, it has to kick in that after you're properly managing how you're allocating the resources, you know, the tithe, being able to have money to spend, save to give, so forth and so on. But the topic and subject of, excuse me, of uh, stewardship starts there. Hmm. No, that's, that's good. And then you talk about it's not how much you make, but how much you save. Wow. And so, um, you know, one of the things, because I know, uh, you know, with, with reading, I know I remember being on a family Zoom call. And, uh, you know, that's when we just took a moment, you know, with aunts, uncles, cousins, the whole nine, where we just all just kind of checked in with one another just to see how everybody was doing. And then I remember one of my cousins mentioned that they were furloughed. And then, you know, some people just kind of shared just where they were as far as for the job situation. And so uh, if you could for a moment, uh, just due to furlough, you know, I want to ask this officially, make sure that I ask this properly. You know, some people's primary income, uh, you know, has been, um, you know, the emergency federal funding that had taken place before. And I know, um, you know, that comes to an end in July. And so what advice would you give those in preparation for those that may have been furloughed and been, you know, on government, you know, income uh, and then, you know, that's coming to an end. So what advice would you give them just in preparation for this change that's about to take place? Two things really come to mind, you know, one is to save. Right. So, you know, you mentioned the, essentially the CARES Act. Yeah. What brought about or facilitated, you know, the stimulus checks that were given to taxpaying citizens. Um, it increased the amount of unemployment on a weekly basis up to like $600 a week. Um, it did things and I'm kind of you know jumping all over the place, but I don't know if anyone's familiar with the CARES Act that was passed in March by the federal government to provide, I think like something like $2 trillion of economic benefit and relief, you know, um, during this time. Um, but they've also allowed for your ability to withdraw from your 401k without that 10% penalty. If you're below the age of 59 and a half, they did things like raise the amount that you can borrow against your 401k from, you know, 50,000 up to hundred thousand. So that CARES Act is really important, but, you know, back to that question, I would truly save what you have now. Right. Um, the second thing I would do is 
streamline your expenditures, you know, focus on what's essential. We don't know the duration of this. We don't know the impact of people's employment situation. Yeah. And you don't even know what the resulting outcome might be of how your job's going to be affected, whether, you know, no longer you're working in your office, you're working in, you know, from your home. Um, the, the clients or the services you offer, are they still going to be relevant post pandemic? We don't know yet. So in order pr to prepare for that, you need to kind of streamline your expenditures and be able to kind of maintain that. I also say that you need to be able to understand your health benefits or your employer benefits, mm -hmm. because if you were to get, you know, sick during this time, are you covered? What does that short-term disability look like? Most people forget that if your employer pays for, um, let's say your disability income, that it's taxable to you when you receive it. So you might be receiving 60% of your take-home pay that is now taxable to you. So the true net of that is, you know, more like 50% of your take-home pay. And for some, that's substantial. The last thing, you know, I would say, and if I'm you know, talking too fast, please stop me, is to really take this time to reassess and figure out if what I was doing, was I happy doing that? Wow. Is it something to continue doing? What would I like to do? How should I be positioning myself to come out on the other side of this? Mm. So I think because of this pause that's been created, it's really time to evaluate, you know, hey, where was I headed with that job that I had? Where was that taken? Was it really fruitful that I was working, you know, you know, these long hours for, you know, for minimum pay? Come on, man. Trying to gain a certification, a designation, take a class to allow me to now reapply in a different capacity to generate more income or make myself more marketable in the eyes of employers. Um, that's a long-winded answer, but I think people have to really kind of look at this through a few different lenses and not just, you know, my stimulus check is just going to run out and, and, you know, five weeks, what am I going to do? Yeah, no, that's good. You know, it's, it's funny just even, uh, bringing that I almost you know I just want to be able to ask you this question and so for those you know I just want to encourage people again you can just start putting those questions that you have for our Q&A portion that we'll be having at the end you could go ahead and start putting some of those now so that way our team in the back end uh, can be able to select some of those and we'll have you know time set aside to be able to uh, you know ask Isaac those questions as well and so um, you know with that as far as for uh, you know what you know that transition that you talked about I remember uh, you shared with me something just even in our conversation recently um, uh, that was very powerful for me, but you were just talking about the power of perspective. And, you know, I know you mentioned lenses, but the power of perspective and, you know, changing that lens and the ability to pivot. Can you just can, uh, speak a little bit more just about that, you know, just that lens perspective and then that pivoting? I think given the times where we are, you're not going to be able to look at things as you did previously. To do that, you're going to be blind to what's going on right now. So mm -hmm. I can't be looking through the eyes of 2019 and 2020 in the midst of what's going on globally right now. Um, the whole economic um, marketplace has shifted. Yeah. Um, the economy 
has shifted and changed businesses that were stalwarts are now filing for, for bankruptcy. Uh, you have this contactless society that we're now enter into, and I don't see it being a pullback at all. I think it's going to be the norm moving forward of, you know, me being able to make a cash payment without even having to go into the store, without even having to pull my wallet out, Yeah. you know, um, without even having to enter certain information. And so I think that you have to be able to have uh, a level of discernment, but you have to be able to see almost the unseen. Mm. Just the prophet, when he told him to look, what do you see? I don't know what you're talking about. He said, look again. And that's how we're going to have to really look to see what's there. But I know our time got cut short when we were talking, and I was just going to say that, like, you have to have a vision for your finances. And I, I know it sounds hokey, something that, like, you might read or hear on an Oprah Masterclass, and you kind of, you know, let that just go in one out the other. But it's the truth because... Vision is a source of discipline, right? Vision imposes discipline. Oh, that's good. When I wanted to get into shape to play ball, it affected what I ate, how much rest I got, the frequency in which I worked out, and the people that I chose to be around and what I did or didn't do in my free time, all because of the decision to make the 52-man roster. Mm. So, yeah the genesis of really this thing along with stewardship really run parallel in that you have to have a vision for your finances. That's so good. Do you know what you're going to do when you walk into abundance? When you get money, do you know how you're going to address some of the deficient or problem areas? Are you going to take time to correct patterns and habits that don't allow you to end up in the same situation? And so that's how you have to look and really be honest during this time and say, wow, all right, if I don't have four months of emergency funds, why haven't I ever got to that point? That's good. Yeah. You know, if I haven't been more diligent in my saving, why is that? If you're having to ask yourself the same question over and over again that you've been asking yourself for the last five to seven years, then now's the time to really address that. That's good. I, I know um, uh, something that you mentioned that really just kind of, you know, sparked something there because I know you talked about four months of emergency funds. So what would you say, even for those whose budgets might be a little tight right now, what would you say um, are just some recommended? And I know you kind of mentioned, mentioned it, alluded to, but um, even more so uh, just some of the recommended priorities, you know, for people. And it could be, you know, the, the saving, the emergency savings that you mentioned right there. But, you know, if there might be any others that you would recommend. I think that, you know, the Bible says be careful to know the state of your flocks. And so to me, it, it all begins with understanding your budget, inflows, outflows. You know, like if I have Netflix and Amazon Prime, because Amazon Prime is paid up all in full at one time, I could really get rid of Netflix because that's costing me, what, $10 a month? Yeah, wow. $20 a year. But I'm doing that analysis to really free up money for me, right? Secondly, is when I talked about looking at your employer's benefits, part of that is your 401k. Take advantage of that free money, right? Because now you may have that employer match. So if I'm going to start investing, the one thing I want to do is I definitely want to put money there so I can position myself to get that, that free money. Also, 
understand your own personal policies and uh, investments that you may currently have on your own. And what I mean by that is you may not understand the individual securities that you, you hold, but you need to understand, hey, is this moderate? Is this aggressive? You know, should I, as a 40 year old, should I be allocated this way right now? Um, because then what's going to happen is you might realize that, hey, based upon the kind of insurance you have, you may have cash inside of that, that whole life policy, right? That now you can either borrow against or you can take a portion out and supplement income now, right? So there are sources of liquidity that you might have available to you just by researching, you know, your employer benefits um, and looking at your own individual personal accounts just to see what's there. I always tell people all the time, it's just as simple if, you know, I'm not going to say a bank's name, but if your bank, you know, is paying 0.23 interest annualized, then you're better off going to some of these online banks that offer a higher rate in savings and let that be your savings, right? Mm. You don't have to be great at the start, but you got to start to be great. And what I mean by that is that you got to be able to rightfully look and say, hey, even financially, am I putting my best forward? What could I be doing better? And some people might say, I don't want to have to take the time to you know, open up another account. Well, then to me, you're really not serious because as your deposit, savings deposits grow, so does the amount of interest that's calculated on an annualized basis on that account. And I think sometimes that's the stimulus that when people see, oh my gosh, you know, I actually left that $5,000 there, you know, you know, and I made, you know, a hundred bucks, like that's pretty cool because it wasn't like that before, you know? So sometimes uh, the pathway to financial freedom, it doesn't look sexy, right? <laughs> yeah. It's built with a lot of small milestones along the way before you get to the end result. No, man, that's, 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 that's powerful. And again, this is a, a sobering, but it's a, one of those real conversations. And so uh, I know you mentioned about the 401k employer match, just even as a start for investing. So could you talk to even some, because not everybody um, is financially in a crunch. And so some people might be in a pretty decent you know, situation. Of course, I can't say comfortable I, I don't know but maybe someone might be in position you know to look to start investing and so for those that are on that side of things uh what are some i guess beginning steps or some thoughts that that you would say that they should consider for those that are looking to begin or uh to begin investing there might be even someone listening at some point or even now or watching now to say hey you know what? i actually don't have any debt i might have a little bit of money um, and, and not sure what to do with it, but looking to invest. What, what are some things um, that you would kind of recommend as a starting point to, towards their greatness? <laughs> you know, I think it's still foundational is that, um, you know, part of stewardship is really still being able to understand what it is that you're managing, right? So you can't have your head in the sand over, well, oh my gosh, I didn't know that this account was only yielding this, or I didn't properly understand that if I took it out early that there was a penalty. And I get, we don't always you know, read the fine print, but my point here is saying that you still need to be aware of what it is you have, you know, to the level of, hey, is this a taxable account? Is this a tax deferred account? Because as you invest or you look to invest, it's gonna be incumbent upon you to really be able to understand the difference between the two and how they, they help you. So 
because we don't know what's going to happen. They're already talking about second leg of this virus rearing its head in the fall. Yeah. If it were to fall another, you know, thousand points, what's going to happen to your investment portfolio? You should kind of do that exercise now, meaning are you comfortable if it decreases by 10%? And if you are, then you're fine. If not, then you might want to change something right now, right? So that in the event we do have a pullback, you can still rest with your head on the pillow at night and be comfortable with where your investments might be. Some people um, can't afford to lose a significant amount of money in the market. And collateral statement, look, if you're 100% equities, you know, it's probably, you know, all aggressive. There should be something to help stabilize it, a fixed income of some sort or, or bonds um, or some level of cash alternatives to de-risk that um, portfolio. But to me, I say this is that you have to be patient, you have to be focused, and you have to be consistent. What I mean by patient is, is that understand it's for the long haul. Mm, yeah. If you're going to invest, do not invest with this get-rich-quick scheme or mentality. Anxiety is going to creep in. You'll be unsettled, and you will not be able to execute on the original intent of why you wanted to invest in the first place. Yeah. Right? Secondly, being focused. You're going to hear a lot of different things. <laughs> you can't always pick up and try to go with the latest and greatest, Right? You're going to have to understand why you're investing, what you're investing in, and be confident in that. And then lastly, be consistent, right? Yeah, so yeah. you're saying that, you know, I want to save X amount of dollars. I want to put, you know, $250 to work each month. Be consistent in doing that. Don't, don't stop and say, oh, well, I want to go to Atlantic City with the boys next month, so I'm not going to put that 250 in. Right. Yeah. Like I said, vision brings discipline. Yeah. So we got a lot of people trying to freestyle, shoot from the hip. Right. And we end up impeding our own progress, tripping over our own selves, because as things come up that we call emergencies that really aren't, mm. it's management and lack of focus. But to those who are at that point, the last thing I'll say is this is that you're looking for liquidity. You don't want something that's going to lock your money up, right? You want to be able to access your money. Even if that means if I buy a stock, if I sell it, I know that within two days I get my money back, either at a loss or at a gain, right? You want diversity, right? So you want to be diverse in how you um, spread or share that risk among the things that you're investing in. You don't want to have concentrated positions across the board so that, let's say, if I'm just all in tech right now, Mm -hmm. And tech has a pullback. Look what it does in my entire portfolio, right? right. Whereas if yeah. I had some, you know, in consumer discretionary, if I had some in financials, you know, if I had some in healthcare, you know, at least if tech was down, I have risk in my funds spread out to where now, you know, if tech is down, those others are up. So it can kind of net out, have a net effect on, you know, my current investment. So you don't want to be concentrated. And then uh, liquidity, diversity, and quality. You know, you want to buy best of breed. You want to buy things that are uh, proven. You want to buy things that uh, are good reputation. You don't want to invest in suspect companies um, 
things you don't understand, things that may not be here 50 years from now. So that liquidity, diversity, and quality are things that, you know, is just a good way to think about, you know, do I think Coca-Cola is going to be here? I think so. Globally, you know, they're in every arena, they're in every stadium. You know, is Procter & Gamble going to be here? Pretty much. They make every household item you can think of beginning with toothpaste, right? So these are things that I'm not saying go invest in that in any way. I'm using that as an example, mm -hmm. right? That, that you understand, hey, these are companies that are, are proven. These are companies that are going to be here. You understand maybe what the dividend is or it's a growth stock that makes it a worthwhile investment for you according to your investment objectives, right? You're just not throwing a dart at the board hoping that like you hit the home run. That's good. That's good. 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 So we got some questions that have come in. Let me um, make sure that we give people opportunity to be able to ask some questions here. And so it says, can you please talk a little about saving while also having debt obligations? It seems like a person should should shed the baggage of high interest debt to become healthy financially. So again, this is about saving while also having debt obligations. Great question. Um, you know, I'd say this is that there are different types of debt, right? So, you know, you may have an automobile, you may have a mortgage, you may have a credit card, you could have a line of credit. Uh, you could have childcare <laughs> for those of you with small kids, right? And that becomes a liability because that has to be paid weekly and that's a long-term, uh, a long-term payable for you. But here's the thing is that based upon the lifestyle need and the amount that you might currently have as far as discretionary income, you have to be able to look at that kind of debt, figure out what the rate is on that. Mm. Understand how you're paid. Do I get a bonus at the end of the year? Do I get paid in employee stock? and put a plan in place that's gonna allow you to, you know, not sacrifice your standard of living, but allow you to address that debt. You know, I have four children and being home during this time, our food bill is outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous. You know, and it's caused me to have to reshift and reprioritize now what's important just because the grocery bills really double what it's been. Yeah. You know, so that the amount of money I was saving before is not as great because it's being reallocated to, you know, this, this food bill. Now, as it pertains to debt, I'm addressing some of the larger ones, you know, first, right. Um, I've reached out or, you know, have even inquired about payment options, not that I'm later delinquent, but, if they're going to give me a more forgiving term, you know, on paying something down or paying it off, then why not take advantage of that? That's good. You know, especially during this time like this, when companies are feeling the crunch and they're willing to, to work with you. So you have to assess the kind of debt you have. Only you know the amount of money, but you got to strike that balance between what is my, my monthly need? You know, what do I need to pay my bills, maintain my standard of living? the amount, the kind of debt you have, understand how you're paid and being able to say, hey, maybe I'll pay the minimum on this. And then when I get my tax return, then when I get my company bonus, then I'm going to pay down a large sum of that. 
But that's a very real question. I was, you know, I hate having to make life decisions at the gas station. You know, wow. I would I would fill up my tank, but I want to keep an extra twenty in my pocket. Right. You know what I'm saying? And heck, I've been there before and been fortunate to be able to kind of you know work my way out of those situations. So it's not lost on me. But the discipline comes when you know during those times, you know, when that was the case, and I got invited to play golf, I couldn't go. <laughs> Come on. Right, because that liquidity having you know, just the extra in my pocket was greater than my temporary enjoyment. And so some things we're going to have to face and work our way out of because we got ourselves into that situation. One of the greatest robbers of your future is impulsivity. And I'm not saying the person who wrote that question is impulsive, but I'm just speaking because we feel like, you know, hey, iOS 14 is coming out, you know, I have the, the Apple three watch. I'd like to get the newer one. It, it, it wears on us. It wears on us. We're the yeah. only one on the street who doesn't have, you know, um, the advertisements on your, on your desktop, on Amazon, all that kind of stuff. It's there to lure you. And I'll say this, I'll say this, and this is not directly to that question, but I just feel the need to say this is that understand that your future is not really ahead of you. It's trapped on the inside of you. Mm. Wow. And that's not mine. That's Miles Monroe. And it really helped me chart a course for my future because whatever you were already created to be, you possess now. And a lot of times we are trying to manage in the present, (laughs) but walk like we're in the future. And we suffer, Mm. you know? And so what I'm saying is that you got to get to the point to where you are so convinced and convicted of who your source is. Yeah. That you're willing to literally say, if I lose my car, I'm going to be all right. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Now you're really walking in something. But there's no way until you get to that point, you're ever going to be able to reach the level that you see yourself operating at. Because listen, the higher you go, it's like the steeper that cliff is. There's no safety in elevation. There's no safety in promotion. So if we can't manage, if we can't steward, if we can't address the uncomfortability of saying yes, I might have to eat peanut butter and jelly for a month, but when I come out, I'm going to have some money saved and I'm not going to owe anybody. That's then it's it. time to roll the sleeves and get uncomfortable. So um, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but <laughs> you know, I, I feel it because you know, I've lived it. I counsel people and I tell you, even the people who have generational wealth are concerned about what are their kids going to do with the money? Mm. Are they going to spend it properly? the pressure they have of being able to hold on to what they amassed, right? There are people who are lost because they sold their business and their identity was tied up in that, that they don't now know really what to do or how to function in society. Yeah. And they never have to worry about a bill, right? So it doesn't go away, but I want the people of God, I want the people who are abounding grace in those watching and really get to the point that you become so convinced who your source is because really this should be the time where you should get excited about tithing. 
<laughs> Come on, sir. <laughs> this should be the time you should get excited. This is where like, um, there's no one priming you, playing music. You know, you can't, <laughs> you can't fall on the altar right now. But this is your daily walk. This is this is where the vision comes in at. I'm I'm tithing off of this stimulus check. I'm tithing off the people who owed me money. Because when you get to that point, it's because you believe that everything that you have doesn't belong to you anyway, that it belongs to God. So now he's like, look at my guy down there. Given in the midst of a pandemic, trusting me when people are holding on to money. Now I have them. Tithing is about your heart. Listen, if you think God needs your money, just just log out right now. <laughs> log out right now. Mm. And I just uh, listen. I, I get an awesome opportunity to sit in some some pretty cool conversations and hear what's going on. And what I'm learning is that you really have to, to have like this dare to believe mentality. To not think that way, you really live below the means in which you were created to live. Mm, wow. If you don't believe that you can have serious impact or influence where you're at, then you need to go back and ask the God to help show you his plan, his purpose for you. Um, I'll share this small example is that, and, and, and Sir Walter, you know this is that I started that sports training business, right? And it, and it got started around the time before I left to go speak at the Super Bowl last year. And the Lord told me, Isaac, what's in your hand? I was like, Lord, I want more money. I'm ready for more income. God's like, what have I already given you? Yeah. And so I started this sports training business at like 1 a.m. in the morning. I go online, create a website. I, you know, said, "Hon, I'm going to spend some money from the account. I'm going to buy this EIN number. I'm going to get a bank account, did all this stuff, right? And then I went and bought some sports equipment with no clients, with no clients. But I knew that I needed to take advantage of what God had me. So if, I, if all I did was train one person, I'm like, God, I'm being obedient. I'm using what you gave me to make money. Mm. A year and a half later, I'm a partner in a tennis academy, which is foreign to me because I've always been around football and basketball, right? I get the opportunity to now work with individuals who I'm training their kids. And because of the relationship impact I'm having on their kids, they approach me, approach me about their own personal finances. That's it. What I didn't know that God knew was that when I moved in this house in December, that when I was asking for more, he was he had already prepared a way for me. Wow. Unlike anything I ever imagined or anticipated. And it might seem small to you, but I, I really appreciate that that extra four grand a month that comes from just training kids. Come on. Ninety dollars at a time. Right. Is it comfortable? You know, so watching you know my schedule, is it comfortable? It, it, it's not, but I'm at the opportunity now where I could probably hire someone else to do it for me. But my mm. point is it comes out of obedience. You have to want it more than you want to be comfortable, more than you want Netflix, right? Listen, 
Sometimes it's like, you know what? I can't buy that big bag of cereal. I got to get that, this smaller one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, because God sees your heart. And I know I went off on a tangent, but I just want people to know that this is a deep-rooted conviction. You have to have vision for your future, right? And as a result, you begin to properly manage and steward, but it's over time. It's over time. You know, things don't happen overnight, but you got to remain consistent, just like I said, with investing. Patient, focused, consistent. Yeah. Get you to where you're trying to go. Absolutely, man, that's, that's powerful. Patient, focus, consistent. And then, of course, uh, just a reference for those, you can go to jonesyouthsports.com uh, for more information about that as well. Um, man, this is so good. And I know we got some questions rolling in here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think you kind of address one of this question right here. Uh, let me see. You mentioned that it's very important to save money. For those of us that don't have much wiggle room in our budget to do so, how would you recommend we go about it? Can you give a simple step-by-step -step process? You know, this might sound extremely, you know, um, elementary, but we gave the example over Amazon Prime and Netflix. I don't know what your expenses are. I don't know what you do with your discretionary income. Mm -hmm. You know, I myself could very easily spend a hundred dollars at Wawa a month, right? Just gas, snacks, stop with the boys, you know, but I'm conscious of that money that goes out of my hands. I always feel like the first place that you look at is understanding your source of income. So what you have coming in, looking at what you, you have, right? Um, I also like to stand outside of the prob and say, you know, what phase of my life or career am I in? And is it going to be fruitful enough for me to be able to maintain where I'm at for the payoff of where I'm going? Mm. And so as you evaluate, hey, I don't have much to save, then what I like to say is that you work from eight to five or whatever your hours are. You have to begin to find something to work on, to advance in, in that five to 10 space. That's where you get wealthy. That's it, yeah. That's where you get wealthy. No one wants to hear it because it sounds like work. And for the person who asked that question, again, you're talking to someone who was juggling that tightrope, right? To where when money was coming in, it was already spent, right? Because of an obligation, right? So you have to begin to say, listen, to create some more room, what can I truly live off of? And be honest, be honest. You know, if I'm, you know, $200 a week at the grocery store, can I do it off of 140? Right. Can I do it off of 140? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it better for me to buy, you know, that 15 pounds of ground beef, right? Boom, I got that for the month. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Save that money and then be able to put it to work. You have to do that consistently over time before you'll start to see, okay, now I have some money actually saved up to create some wiggle room. And that's the starting point is being able to decide how much you need so that now when an emergency comes about, there's a buffer there for you. You don't have to put it on a credit card. 
And so it's things, like I said, sometimes having to, sometimes it's having to call and ask, you know, your, 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 your bank, Hey, can you refund those overdraft fees? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that 34 bucks means a lot. And sometimes they'll, they'll actually do it. Right. Sometimes it, yeah. it, it's being able to, you know, um, call the credit card company, especially if you've been a good customer and say, Hey, can I ask for a rate reduction? What I feel as far as that question is, you got to give God something to work with. Yeah. And the problem is that we want to be comfortable during this process. And there's nothing uncomfortable about digging your way out. There's nothing uncomfortable, right? So continue to do what you're doing. Tithe, save, and manage your money properly. It will come. It will come. There's no easy fix. I'm sorry, I don't have, hey, do this and you're going to be out in a month, right? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> that four-letter word, W-O-R-K. <laughs> Here's, um, let's see here. I think this is one question, but it's kind of got a few layers to it. So it says, you talked about having a vision for your finances. What would a financial vision look like for those of us with a family? Um, what would it look like for those of us who are married without the intent of having children? And then for those that are single, I guess it's kind of the people that are in different stages in life there. You know, that's a really good question. Um, and I just say that you were created with purpose. That the Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, which means that God was so careful when he created you to not mess up that when you got here, you were the way he wanted you to be. And so because you came here, there's something uniquely that you have to deposit in the earth as it pertains to your vision for your finances, you have to begin to have now a purpose for your money. Um, it just can't be to go on vacation, although that's part of it, right? It can't be to just, you know, I want to retire by 50, but what do I really see myself doing? If I'm not working, if I had the opportunity to pick and choose what I wanted to do without the financial uh, constraint of, of finances, what am I doing? Hmm. Now that you understand how you want to deploy resources in your life. I can't tell you what's for you, but what I will say and, and share with you is that why do I want to have, you know, four cars? is so that when I meet someone who's in need, that I can lend them one. Yeah. I got to the point now that I truly realize what I have is not all mine. <laughs> well, you know that I've given things to people around me of value. Yeah. Right? Can I hold on to it? Absolutely. But if I have 30 suits upstairs, right, and the Bible says that the tithe is his, you know, then 10% of those suits really don't belong to me anyway. And so we have to, to come in contact with our purpose and it will 
flow from that as to what you want to see happen. And the Bible says that God gives desires to your heart. So if your desire is to take your wife away on a trip every year for your wedding anniversary, then that's awesome. Write it down. If it's your desire to visit every con continent, awesome. Write it down. Vision, yeah. But yeah. you also need to be able to, to write down things like, I want my kids to be able to buy their own home. Right? Because now it's the purpose of money. So when you're investing your money, it's with the intent that these are legacy assets are going to be transitioned and transferred to them to help set them up. You know, you want to eradicate that financial curse or you want to be able to ensure that the next generation gets a good head start. That's a purpose for your money. How do you want to bless other people? You know, and I believe that as you start being quiet, it'll start coming to you. But it's not going to be a one-time sit-down conversation with yourself, your spouse, or the Lord, and you're going to get it. Vision is revealed over time. It's fulfilled in time, in phases. Yeah. In phases, right? So I wanted to, I knew that I always wanted to have multiple streams of income, right? I didn't know what. I knew I always knew I wanted to be a person of influence, but I didn't know how I was going to become. But as I got older, doors began to open and I'd be able to see. Now the vision kind of shifted and changed over time. And now the vision has continued to unfold and unfold. But it all started with me saying, hey, God, listen, I don't know what my job description is, but I just want to be a person of influence. That's what I really want. Yeah, yep. If that's really all I want. I don't know any more than that. I just want to be a person of influence. I lost jobs. I've been, you know, marginalized. I've been the only brown face in a lot of white rooms. I've been so close to money, but not the one with the money. I'm advising people who have more money than me, man. I've done it all. And it's gotten me to the point now where people seek me out. And I'm like, how'd you get my number? First of all, right. You understand? But along the way, I had to sit here and say that, God, I thank you for the day when monthly bills is not a concern and i had to start thinking that way before i had the money yeah come on and then went from that to lord i want to be able to ensure that now i have a company where my children can work with me then it went from that to lord i want to take my kids with me so that now they can see your goodness in action and understand that when i'm gone why it's important for me to work when they see me studying and all those kind of things and so it's it's taken on a life of itself. And so this is one of the, the things to say, if you seek him, you're going to find him. So <laughs> I just sit, be quiet and write everything down. I mean, I have things like, you know, um, to just, I want to be able to give more and more of my tithes each year and it's become fun. Like, oh my gosh, we did it again. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's it's fun to realize that at the end of the year, I look forward to saying, man, like, what did I, I give? You know what I'm saying? So I know that if I'm tithing more, then I'm making more. Yeah. But that became, you know, an inspiration for me to be able to have that kind of impact. And I want to be able to meet people's needs along the way. So I'm learning to give. But it all starts at that one conversation. Lord, I just want to be a person of, of, of influence. That's a powerful prayer, and he, he makes it happen. I know you mentioned something that was a very uh, strong word there about legacy assets, and we do have a question. I believe this is coming 
from a grandparent, it says, would you suggest opening a 529 for your grandchildren or your thoughts about that there? You know, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think it's a great idea. You know, um, the, the cool thing about 529s is that anyone can contribute to it. So once it's set up, uh, aunt, uncle, you know, the in-laws can all contribute to that 529. Um, sometimes I like to ask the question of, you know, are they a single child? You know, because if let's say they get a scholarship to school, you know, we're not having any expenses, then you're kind of limited in what you can do with that money now at that point without being severely penalized, you know? Um, but I think as a grandparent, the greatest education you can do is begin to speak to your grandchildren about saving, giving, <laughs> or investing. Yeah. And even if it's as simple as, you know, you buying them a few shares of something, teach them what ownership is. Let them know the principle of, you know, compound interest so that they'll get excited about giving, that they'll get excited about, you know, wanting to save. So now that motivation is a thing that will spearhead them to really want to take care of their the money. I saw my son Marcus the other day. Um, I'll show you this text, you know, when I left the house today, I said, I want you, I don't know how much money is in your piggy bank. I don't know how much you have in cash and how much you have in coins and, you know, what's the total. And he did that within like, you know, 20 minutes. Um, but I understand his motivation now. It's more than one to change out of my car. It's more than one to go through my wallet. But now he'll watch me work. And he was like, Dad, I, I think I like this company. What's this company doing now? <laughs> right? All just by kind of introducing him to the idea of, here's how you can make some money, Marcus. And so I think 529 is an awesome idea. I think that it's something that um, can really help the parents out in addressing the educational need yeah. and taking that burden off of the parent. But again, I feel like you should speak with the parent and look to get something consistent rather than maybe a, a, a lump sum donation. And there are limits to how much you can put in a year for one person, but you could make, you know, five years contributions all at one time, you know, and let it sit there. So I think it's a great tool, especially if you have the resources, it's a wonderful opportunity. Good, good. Um, it says, for those of us, <clears throat> I know you mentioned your, one of your sons, for those of us who have young children slash babies, what's the best type of account we can open for them in order for money they're given to compound greatly over time? And I'm assuming like birthdays, gifts, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, there are things that are like, you know, Coverdell savings accounts and, and, and things like that. Um, I think that when they're infants, you know, I think that the, the 529 is a great way to go, right? Because you don't get more time back, right? The clock starts ticking down that they're born. So yeah. I think that's a great strategy, right? I love to be able to invest a specific amount of money in a joint account or open up a brokerage account with them in mind that as they get older, now they can be added as a, a minor, right? A brokerage account. And now when they each reach the age of majority, you know, 18 in some states or 21, then now they can resume control of that account, right? But over time, you've been buying, let's say, as we talked about before, shares of Coca-Cola for 18, 20 years, 
right? So even if you put in $100 a month for your kid, imagine what that's going to do over 18 years. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. But also now you have the opportunity to, and a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about things, but I'll say this is that like, you know, I have life insurance on both of my boys and it's not necessarily for me, but it's for them that when they get older, you know, and they take it over when they graduate college, there's going to be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of cash in there for them. So if they want to buy a car, if they just want to let it ride and not use that insurance, they're always going to have some. But it's a source of liquidity for them so that now they have insurance, they'll get a job, they'll have a 401k. Right. And now if they save and they work their own brokerage account, you see now they have three sources of income that they can draw from in retirement. Come on. Yeah. So that was just the first leg of being able to help them get started, if that makes sense. Right. So ideally, you know, you have to look at what you can do, but also, you know, take time to take advantage of, you know, the agent stage where they're at um, and speak to the parents and begin to kind of uh, put money uh, to work accordingly. Excellent. I, I see we got another question here. It says you mentioned um, that we need to have a vision for our finances. And this may have been addressed, but I want to make sure that I do say it. Besides having an emergency fund, what would you say should be the next most important thing we should focus on? Outside of the, the vision for your finances? Well, the uh, emergency fund. Oh, outside the emergency fund? <clears throat> What would be the next most important thing? You know, I guess once they have an, once they've established an emergency fund, um, what would you, I guess, advise at that point? If there's debt, trying to get a a, a plan to 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 pay that down. Um, I think it would be also to have a sustainable lifestyle, and like what I mean by that is that maybe you have plenty of discretionary income, but you're saying that. Really, I could live each month off of $4,500, pay all my bills, be comfortable, still have money to go out, do things, save. And at the end of it, I still have $4,500. All right. Now, anything over and above that, I'm going to get a plan in place for that, that overage, that extra. Yeah. So maybe now I need to evaluate, like, let's say if you leave your job you're, and your employer provide insurance for you, chances are that insurance goes away. Right. So maybe you can take that overage and maybe buy your own independent life insurance, right. To address those needs, to support your spouse, provide income, protect your family. Right. Mm -hmm. if that's already there. Then now you're looking at, okay, how can I begin to accumulate wealth and what vehicles would I like to do that through? Mm. Yeah. Some people like real estate. Some people like the stock market. Some people want to invest in private businesses. Yeah. Some people may want to start a business. Make sense? Right. Yeah. So, so now I'm looking at my overall financial picture and I'm saying that, you know, hey, my car is paid off now. I don't have that, that car payment anymore. What am I going to do with that money? You have the opportunity to sit down, speak with your spouse or consult amongst yourself and say, Here's how much I can live off of. Here's what I can afford to save and put to work. And now that's where that overarching vision for your finances comes in at. 
because now you begin to get strategic about being able to apply it accordingly to that vision. So I would address that debt first and look to eradicate that as quickly as possible. Secondarily, I like to build in sources of liquidity. So you might have that emergency savings. Maybe you open up an investment brokerage account mm-hmm. and you just start depositing money in there. And slowly over time, either you begin to, you know, let's say buy the index, right? If you buy the index for the next 35 years, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? But your intent is to be able to now stabilize my financial future over time. So that now when I'm 45, when I'm 55, um, I'm not just having to heavily rely on, you know, there aren't as many pensions anymore, but my 401k contribution, right? So look at your financial picture. If you're not maxed out your 401k and you have discretionary income, then up the percentage and get that free money. Pay down debt, evaluate your, your, uh, your vision for finances and begin to apply it, right? as you're led or as, you know, predicated on you know, the plan that you've laid out for yourself. But there are things that you can look to get involved in. If it's the stock market, that's great. Um, there are people out there that can help you with that, answer questions. If you need to, um, you know, do your research, then fine, do that. But if not, then, you know, maybe now you can look at, all right, well, what would it take for me to start a business? Are you passionate about something? Yeah. Is there something inside you that you've always wanted to do? You know, continue to save while you figure that out. Just put that money aside, right? Yep. Put it aside. Get it out of get out of your checking account. Get it to where you don't see it, but you know it's there. And then slowly put it to work in a responsible manner. Excellent. Um, this uh, question here says, "How can we set up a trust account for minor children without having to spend thousands just to pay for the attorney who sets it up?" Now, when I'd have to, you know, ask a few follow-up questions right. of the trust, what kind of trust do you have in mind? Because um, it just may be able to be accomplished in another fashion than maybe having to establish a trust, which is why, you know, I initially asked that question. Mm-hmm. And to me, it all goes back to what is it are you trying to do, right? So the life insurance that I have, you know, my wife is the beneficiary. Um, our living will kind of matches up to the things outside of our accounts that doesn't have a specific name to beneficiary on. Um, and more or less says how, you know, what I want to happen to the house, property, possessions, things of that nature. But also is that if you don't have a lot, I suggest you get one, right? That's good. Yeah. Um, those are fairly inexpensive. And that could be part of that vision and that exercise, that due diligence piece that we were talking about earlier. Um, and then really see if the need for a trust is there. I'm not saying that it's not, but if it is, and you, you do need an attorney, um, you know, there are some, some online resources that can walk you through it, you know, for a fraction of the price. There are some attorneys really local and media who, who aren't expensive to, to, to draft um, a trust document for you. You know, that would stipulate, you know, how the proceeds would be, um, you know, managed according to that, that trust document. But um, again, without knowing the kind of trust and the purpose or intent, 
depends on how complicated ultimately what that price would be. Um, but there's some resources locally uh, here in the media area. Um, there's a few firms even in, in the Wilmington area that are fairly inexpensive. And again, the more information you know and you have, the less work they have to do drives that price down dramatically as well. But if you go in there and say, hey, I think I want to open up a trust, then <laughs> from the time you sit down, man, that clock is ticking, especially when they start putting that pen to paper. Right, come on, say, yeah. Okay, this is what I want. I want the funds to be distributed like this. I want to pay it out at this point in time. This is you know, my child, this is a social security number. You know, then their job is extremely easy at that point. Or easier, I should say. <laughs> That's good. We got one more that I want to be able to, you know, want to be mindful of a, your your time, our time here. But it says you mentioned having your son with you, watching you while you work. For those of us with kids who seem disinterested in working, in parentheses, downright spoiled, um, <laughs> how can we spark their interest in working, and where do where would we start? <laughs> There's some intrinsic motivation there. <laughs> I think you have to meet kids where they're at. You know, and for the longest time, my kids gloss over the fact that when we go to GameStop, you know, all they know is they're able to get a game. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I'll get grief sometimes because they're like, you know, you only saw three of my football games this year. And I'd explain to them that, hey, you know, when daddy's not here, he's working so that when we're on vacation in Stone Harbor, you know, we're able to have a house and we can go get ice cream every night and it's slowly beginning to sink in. But I think you have to bring them in, not take it as personal and help them understand that, you know, I think it's a cumulative effect that now that we're able to sit down a little bit older, you can start talking about shared responsibility. That comes through chores, you know. Um, no, you're going to carry your clothes downstairs. You know, you, you can do that. Um, if you want something over and above what mom and dad are asking, then you have the ability to spend your money on it. You have my permission. But then it's being able to explain to them that one day they're going to have a family. Yeah. And they're going to be asked to provide things in the same fashion that, that, that you are. And so, again, it's something that's going to happen over time. It's not going to happen. But I also got to say that, you know, sometimes, too, it's, it's having to defer the gratification or understand the timing in which you do for your kid. Mm. It's going to be a lot more significant, a lot more meaningful. But if every time they ask that they have something, they're not really going to understand the value of a dollar. So, again, that vision imposes discipline so that when you begin to say, hey, finish that food. We're not throwing food in the trash. It's because they're going to start understanding that, you know, that's food that's going to waste. When they understand that, you know, their bike is perfectly good and not going to get anyone so that wheel falls off. <laughs> And they begin to understand the value of that thing, even though they're portraying you as, you know, um, a mean parent, if you will. But then most importantly, and the one that I probably had the most recent revelation, is like, God, you gave me these kids. I know I was probably, you know, all for it at the time. But give me the wisdom to how to speak to them. Mm. You made them. Because I don't have all the answers. And, you know, without going off on a tangent, but like, you know, living in a mixed household with my wife being Caucasian and being able to talk about what's going on, you know, within our society today, I'd ask God for wisdom yeah, of how to be able to explain to him what's going on. Right. Yeah. Um, same thing with the finances. God, give me the wisdom to be able to teach my kid. 
that's a desire of your heart, man, God's gonna move heaven and earth to be able to give you the words, the right opportunity. If not, then you pray that God would send a labor across their path to help them see the significance and importance of money. That prayer is not gonna go unanswered. That's powerful. As a matter of fact, I believe the Lord answered just even some of our prayers by sending a laborer in you to let us know the importance of money. And so um, uh, we'll, we'll ask this. I, I know we got people that actually watch and listen from, from all over. That's, that's so cool. We even have some people that have checked in from overseas. And so people might pick this up at different times. But if, if you could just, just kind of just speak a blessing or just prayer just over just everyone, even as it pertains to just financial stewardship, and then uh, for everyone else, that's, uh, for those that are watching, you know, don't go anywhere. Just want to uh, connect with you some more. Uh, but Isaac, if you don't mind, just even just blessing us, um, whatever God places upon your heart um, for those that are listening and watching. I just pray that your soul will be so consumed to rightfully manage everything within your possession, within your possessions, from the talents that the Lord has given you to your resources, to your time, your gifts, your generosity, that you'll live from a place of dependability mm. and not comfortability, that you'll be willing to face and address the things at all costs in order to move yourself forward to accomplish what God has called you to do as it pertains to your finances that it will, will never escape you the good you could do for others rather than to hold on and maintain within your own personal possession. That God's heart for finances, for expansion, for growth, for multiplication be the catalyst to get you to move out of your comfort zone, see yourself the way he sees you and begin to branch out into things that have been resident within you from day one. And lastly, I pray for endurance. Endurance to be able to see the vision through till the end. Mm -hmm. The ability to overcome setbacks, the strength and tenacity to move through disappointment, the conviction to stand in the face of opposition and say, this is the way my God shall supply all my needs. I will have more than enough. I'm going to keep pursuing because of the greater one on the inside of me. I am not the grades that I got in high school. Mm. My job is not my source. Mm. I'm more than an athlete. God, your purpose and plan for my life, it will prevail. It's not too late for me to amass wealth and riches, that I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do and I can have what it says that I can have and that my conviction will remain unwavering until I see it come to pass in my life. I call it so in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, wow. Man, that it was it was so much that was shared tonight. So again, I want to thank you uh, just even for the release, for the impartation. And then, of course, for those you see, uh, one of the websites is the Odyssey Advice as well. And then, of course, is uh, Jones 
Uh, oh my gosh, I'm just blanked out real quick. <clears throat> Jones Youth Sports. Yeah, Jones Youth Sports. Jonesyouthsports.com as well for the uh, uh, for the training and the coaching piece as far as for the athletics. So, uh, Isaac, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Man, man. I enjoyed it. This was a pleasure. <laughs> Good. And so for those, uh, we'll let you go. But for everyone else, just hang on. There's some other things I just want to be able to share with you as well. Amen. Thank you so much. Good night. All right. Good night.